I'm Danielle. I'm Fran. And this is Snow in the Mountains. Fran, we're both a little froggy this morning. Yes, I've started a cold. Well, I'm just exhausted, just plain wiped. We <laughs> we wrapped up the school year and have just been nonstop, go, 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 to hit the ground running for the beginning of summer, which is very exciting. But um, I think the best news is that, you know, it's Tuesday. The kids have been out of school since Thursday, and I've already got them trained to sleep in. I feel like it took until the last week of summer last year to get them trained to sleep in. So frankly, I think we're off to a great start. <laughs> That's wonderful. And then you got to learn to sleep in too. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not going to set an alarm unless we need to over summer, but um, it's nice to get outside into the garden and get all those outdoor chores done before the sun starts blazing. So farm chores have to have to start early, you know? It's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, everything is wonderful. Um, this will be our last podcast recording while I'm 39. Next time we yeah. record, I'm gonna be the big four oh. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you'll be you'll be you'll be getting in there, huh? Yeah, it's uh it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome having a couple girls up for a little fun garden party in the backyard and um hey I'm looking forward to 40 I feel like 40 is just for me it's great um it's a milestone you start yeah. breaking down after that I'll just go ahead and tell you oh it's you know it's it's fine I already have a bad knee probably not as bad as your knee but I've already got a bum one so I'm just waiting to see what falls apart next <laughs> well you can't fall apart you got two youngins to raise and a husband yeah, they uh they do keep me on my toes, that's for sure. Um well, you know what's funny is that as I was cutting up a big watermelon yesterday, I was thinking about this case because I mean, what's more oh, summertime yeah. than watermelon? That's right. And uh as I was going through my notes for today's show, I was like, Oh my goodness, here's the yeah. connection. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we're going, uh, we're going back to 1977 this week and, um, we're going to focus on a case out of Habersham County. And I want to share a little bit about this tiny town that this takes place in Fran. So you guys were working on this case in Mount Airy to the 2023 census. They're projecting that the population there is about 1500 nowadays. Um, so it's, it's just a little bit bigger than my little town of Claremont here. We sit at about 1,131 people maybe. So really tiny little municipality here. Um, Mount Airy, count Georgia. all the animals too. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a lot of cows, a lot of goats, so many chickens. Um, That's right. But yeah, this this town is only about 2.4 square miles. So it's it's a really tiny area. Um, Mount Airy is in southern Habersham County and sits on top of the Eastern Continental Divide. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's hilly. It's beautiful. Um, lots of trees and very rural, you know, still to this day. So um, one really cool fact about Mount Airy is that uh, there's a house there um, on the historic registry that Ty Cobb used to live in. I Maybe didn't know that. Game? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. For, for those of you who don't know, Ty Cobb was an amazing early baseball player. He, uh, he played center fielder for the Detroit Tigers for 
a long time in the early 1900s. I'm pretty sure he became a, the club manager too, but um, he was from Royston, Georgia. Originally. There you go. That's right. There you go. Well, um, yeah, we can, we can do a whole baseball episode one day. If we can find some genealogy on, um, on Babe Ruth, you know, his, mm. his family is from Hall County. I did or, not know that. Or I'm sorry. It was, it was his wife's family actually. And oh. um, Babe Ruth actually spent the night, um, in the Claremont Hotel. You're kidding. Yeah. No, he did. They, wow. they were coming through town um, to visit her family on uh-huh. his North American tour for Ford Motor Company because, cool. you know, the old Galleria building here in town. Yeah. yeah. My friend Nikki decorates the windows. Um, that was the Griffin Brothers General Store for a long time. Mm-hmm. And yes, you could buy was. a Ford there or you could have one. You could have one ordered, you know, and delivered mm-hmm. there. And so Babe Ruth came in on the old railway and used to come through town. That's right. And stayed at the historic Claremont hotel. So, wow. So he might've seen my house. Maybe Babe Ruth saw my house. That's kind of, maybe he did. He probably (laughs) picked a flower or two to his wife. I'm sure. I mean, he seemed like a sweet guy, all the stories we've heard about him, but anyway, we're baseball fans. We can't hide it. Um, Tell us what happened in Habersham County. Well, what happened was there was a uh, <laughs> there was a firestorm at the office. What I mean by that, my my very um, I guess you would say he's very private. My boss was R.C. McCracken. Yep, I know he that. He was name. an old he was an old trooper that was the special agent in charge of the office, and he ran the office, uh, and everybody knew he was in charge. You did not cross this man. And uh, what happened was uh, he got a call uh, from one of the agents that was in Habersham County that said, uh, we have a problem. (laughs) When you get those calls, they're never good. And what happened was uh, he was not notified that the narcotics squad from Atlanta had come to Mount Airy. Uh, They had been following this tractor trailer. I've always kind of wondered how mm-hmm. jurisdiction works. Like, Yeah. And so they're supposed to notify the regional supervisor when they come into the area. And they did not do that. So he was very well uh, upset. He was pretty pissed. And not only to top that off, you know, uh, one of the agents had uh, shot one of the perpetrators and the perpetrator was dead. So that really uh, added you know, fuel to that fire. So yeah, uh, the, the office was the office was in a turmoil. So um, several of the agents went up to the uh, location. It was the old Mount Airy school house that had been transformed into a trucking depot. Okay. I think you have some information there about who who uh, owned that. I do. Yeah. So. Um... Two men ended up arrested in this case. Um, their names were Crawford Irvin and William Galloway. And Crawford Irvin actually had a lease on the old Mount Airy school out of which he was operating. It's referred to in this article as both a truck line and a trucking terminal. Right. Um, and basically they were bringing in tractor trailer shipments of different things but produce i know specifically was on the list and and watermelon at that but um a lot of things were being brought to georgia from texas to be you know uh, refueled 
you know, divvied up and transported to other states and other areas. So um, it seems like, yeah, kind of an ideal place to run drugs. I mean, this is a very small county. Well, Habersham's a pretty big county, but it wasn't very densely populated at this time. So you could imagine that law enforcement was just sort of sprinkled through. I mean, it's not like being in a major metropolis where you have a lot of agents on duty at all times. And then, you know, operating a trucking company out of a small old school, I mean, just kind of seems you're flying under the radar. Things are okay. And then all of a Pretty sudden much. you've got all these agencies <clears throat> cracking down. So well, what happened? They were, they had a shipment of, like you said, watermelons <laughs> and behind the water shipment of watermelons, they had uh, bales of marijuana. So obviously this wasn't the first time they had done this particular transaction. They were using the terminal for, uh, you know, hiding their water, watermelons and then transporting it to other places. We did realize that two other tractor trailers or two other trucks got away oh, uh, in this really? encounter. Yeah. Two other trucks got away. But um, so when the agents got there to arrest them as they were, you know, pulling, pulling, pulling the items out of the truck. Um, one of the agents, Jerry Longino, um, tripped as he exited the vehicle and uh, his gun went off as the perpetrators were running and he ended up his gun. I don't know if it fell or if he fell. I think he fell and it went off. He slipped and, in the uh, gravel. That's right. Slipped in the gravel and his gun went off and shot um, Dexter Tatum in the back, unfortunately. Um, Which is not a good look. Anytime an officer shoots somebody in a back, it's just not a good look. I can imagine that that was extremely complicated. Very. So as you can imagine, you know, the the uh, citizens were in an uproar because, you know, they felt that he had deliberately shot him. Oh, okay. even in, even back then in the 70s, that's, you know, that's was something you would never do. Sure. Uh, and uh, so that was all, you know, there was turmoil about that. But, <clears throat> the, you know, the joke about it in the office was uh, Jerry couldn't have shot him. Uh, you know, a 727 next to a barn. You know, he was <laughs> he was a terrible shot. Terrible uh. shot. Well, we, my son and I always joke that, you know, stormtroopers are a terrible shot in Star Wars. There's like, you know, two Jedis versus a thousand stormtroopers and somehow the Jedis always get away. So yeah, I guess your agent was a a bit of a stormtrooper. What are the odds that finally, you know, he takes a shot. It was an accidental shot and he hits and kills this guy. It's terrible. Yeah. So they did have a coroner's inquest. Well, that's. That is very interesting because a coroner's inquest, I mean, I've heard of it before, but I just kind of thought it was a bit outdated. And it it really actually was fairly outdated, even for 1977. Um, going back in history, um, a, a modern death investigation, you know, forensic science, um, you know, blood spatter evidence, forensic pathology, all of that, that's all the the technology that replaced a coroner's inquest, which was basically um, intended to force members of the public to answer questions. You know, an inquest is to make an inquiry, right? So you don't have anything to do with this. You have no medical knowledge, but 
everybody in town, all the villagers would stand around and say, well, this is, this is this person. This is what happened. So you're basically collecting evidence, but in an uncontrolled environment. And actually, you know, if we were to be using these techniques today, this would mean seriously compromising a crime scene. Um, but so in 1977, uh, Habersham County coroner, um, had a jury of 11 witnesses and that was people from the GBI, um, the DEA, the Metro Athens, Clark County drug squad and the Habersham County Sheriff's office. So what I'm reading here is that jurors deliberated for only about 10 minutes before reporting the verdict to coroner Lawrence Perry, who was, who was on this case and um, says here that GBI agent Jerry Longino, is that right? Longino. Longino, okay, said that he jumped from a surveillance van in an attempt to apprehend Dexter Tatum, who was running towards a wooded area and the agent's feet skidded on the gravel. So he was holding a snub nose revolver and he had accidentally fired that. But um, yeah, so you can see how um, it would be appropriate, I think, in this situation to just sort of round up the law enforcement that was present and say, hey, can you explain exactly what happened? Because this is a bit atypical. So mm -hmm. not like a, you know, 1500s uh, renaissance sort of inquest, but um, kind of meeting somewhere in the middle just to get really, it sounds like official statements um, and having these agencies come to a collective decision. Yeah, not like, do we hang him? Do we? Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> We're going to stone him in public. Yeah. Well, so May the 3rd, 1977, they recovered 600 pounds of marijuana behind the watermelons. Well, and that was only in one truck. That's right. We don't know what was in the others that got away. Um, they were busy trying to, they were, the agents were busy trying to, you know, capture the perpetrators there and seize that and, uh, so the others got away. This all came from Texas. This load came from Texas. Right. And, you know, how long were you part of the team that was staking them out? Or did you just respond on this day? Respond. This was, I was in the office when it, when the. Uh, when the shit hit the fan. Well, that's right. That's a nice <laughs> way to put it. <laughs> I was just trying to hide behind the desk while, while Mac was uh, venting, you know, about Atlanta and and uh, how they don't respect his position and, you know, they come up here and do whatever they want to do and that kind of stuff. Well, so, I mean, I wonder how the day would have unfolded, you know, sequentially a bit differently if these agencies would have been working together, you know, in the proper way. Well, to put it mildly, it was a cluster. They should have had somebody else watching out to see that these other two trucks were also, also you know, in transit and somebody else should have followed them not not put all your eggs in one basket and they probably i don't know they probably had 25 30 agents on this one truck wow so, you know that's that's a lot and i mean i know that officers had watched um the school or the truck terminal now for several months um you know before the raid was staged but um mm -hmm. you know it seems like in this period of time, North Georgia was seeing quite a bit of drug seizure, which is, you know, kind of great because it kept you employed. Um, but this was actually the second killing 
within 16 months during a drug seizure in North Georgia. So as the crime increased, unfortunately, you know, so did the the death rate. That's true. Habersham, when I came up here, I had 21 counties to work. 21 and counties? 21 counties to work. And a we went over to territory. the South Carolina line all the way up to the North Carolina line. And um, the most notorious county in that area was Habersham. And coming in a close second was Dawson. <laughs> wow so uh yeah i always took extra guns when we went to habersham and dawson and that's they were pretty rough that's intense well so we've got two men arrested crawford irvin he operated the truck line and um william galloway and they both went to habersham county jail under a hundred thousand dollar bonds um for violating the Georgia Controlled Substance Act. Obviously, these are drug charges. Um, but Dexter Edward Tatum, he was only 29 at the time of his death. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you guys were able to get him to Habersham County Hospital with gunshot wounds, but unfortunately, he passed away. Um we actually have his obituary here, which I think is interesting because, you know, I don't know what it is, um, but it seems that we have a very difficult time finding obituaries for people involved in your cases, whether, you know, I mean, it's not like in a lot of your cases, the suspect is is killed on the scene, but I don't know. It almost seems like people are less um, less likely to publish an obituary for somebody who has you know, serious felonies. I I don't know how that how that comes about. Um, I guess it could be. Yeah, I mean, it's just sort of a, a cloud hanging over the family, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, it, it seems like you have to grieve so much more when somebody is tied up in something and you have to accept that and carry that and that becomes part of your family history. So maybe it's just a way to sort of, you know, set it aside, I guess. Um True. But it says here that Dexter actually was survived by not only his mother, um, but his widow and two sons, you know, so Um, this was a, this was a family man that just got tied up in something that he shouldn't have been part of. It sounds like trying to make a fast dollar. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he made quite a few um, if they were able to keep this operation going for any period of time before you guys found them. Cause I mean, 600 pounds of pot just in one of the tractor trailers. I mean, that's quite a, that's quite a bit of money. Oh yeah. So one of the things that I love so much about looking at these old articles, Fran, is um, because we use newspapers.com for a lot of our archived information and it always kind of blows my mind. You know how I love that conversion rate of Mm -hmm. what the money then means, what the money means now. Well, so I didn't do the math on it this time, but I do want to put things in perspective for you a little bit with this article that's embedded in the, um, in the, the Mount Airy raid article in the Atlanta constitution. And it's for, um, an addition on a house. This is a construction company posting this and it's a 14 foot by 16 foot room complete with carpet, including the block or frame on slab, paneling and electrical for $3,895. Not bad. You could get a concrete driveway or patio poured for $277. 
Wow. That's so <laughs> I hate to, I hate to date you like this, Fran, but um, yep. this, it just goes to show <laughs> how long ago this was. It's insane to me. Um, well, do you know what happened to Craw- Crawford Irvin and William Galloway? Because aside from them going to jail on bond, I can't find any information about them online. Nope. Don't know. Probably they pled guilty. Yeah. Uh, was sentenced, probably got some time, got probation or, you know, if they went to jail, they probably got paroled. So don't, don't know much else about them. I didn't yeah. follow up on any of that. Other cases were coming up. Yeah. And, you know, I do know that um, actually you had, um, there was another Hallman on this case, but this wasn't Jim Hallman, right? This was Dave oh, I, Yeah, I know him. I worked with him on another case that um, we were undercover down in um, Liberty County, Georgia, waiting for 26 tons of marijuana to come in on a shrimp boat. Ooh, and we still is, haven't uh, told that story. No, we're going to tell that one soon. That was a good one. Yeah. That was the Miss Vicky case. The infamous Miss Vicky shrimp boat case. Miss Vicky. Well, do you remember what it was that the agent shouted to Dexter Tatum when he jumped out of the van? I'm a bad shot. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, oh no. Fran, you're killing me. He just yelled one word and it was halt. Halt? Halt. Halt? I'm kind of laughing at that because I feel like stop. Yeah. Stop. Hands up. You know, (laughs) turn around. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know, Fran. It's a, it's a quick story. It's a short case, but, (laughs) but it's just to me a little bit like Swiss cheese. There just seems to be a lot of holes here. Um, And maybe just not that well orchestrated, but I mean, look, you, you can't win them all. It's just unfortunate that somebody had to lose their life. I mean, he, he was a criminal and he was doing something he shouldn't have been doing. Um, but you know, it didn't have to end like this. It's unfortunate. No, he didn't need to lose his life over it. You know, he could have, he could have gone to jail like the others and served his time and, and perhaps bettered his life from that mistake. Uh, and he was young, you know, he could have, he could have done something better yeah. or he could have gone on to be a great big smuggler and airdrop cocaine. Who knows? Sure. Who knows what was waiting for him in his future? Well, we, um, we've got a lot more cases to get into, but with Fran's cold and my exhaustion, we're going to tie this up in a neat little bow today. Just a little quickie for you guys to, to start off the month of June. And um, yeah, we have, we have some very exciting stories coming up. Fran and I have, several episodes uh planned out in advance for you guys and you know it's going to be more stories about more people doing bad things so we've got uh tilton lamar chester big smuggler from uh who owns the darby islands in the bahamas oh we're going to talk about him and his escapades and uh, smuggling uh, lots of cocaine into the united states we're going to talk about him and we're going to talk about the this vicky case which is shrimp boat 26 tons of marijuana that's, that's a big be another score. episode yeah and then we have lots of other smaller cases that happened and um we uh, appreciate you listening as always and uh, encourage you if you see something say something 
Absolutely. Fran, you go pour yourself a hot toddy. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Thank you guys so much for listening this week. We'll be back next week. And we hope that you will like, share, rate, subscribe. All those things really help us here on the podcast. So you can find us uh, airing every Wednesday on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all those places. So thanks again, you guys. Please behave. Bye for now. Snow in the Mountains is recorded in North Georgia by Fran Bishop and co-host and producer Danielle Eigelhart. Find us on social media at snowinthemountains.pod or email us at snowinthemountainspodcast at gmail.com. Your listens, follows, likes, and shares help our show greatly and are much appreciated. New episodes are released every Wednesday. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen. 